Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show hey there car fiends and gearheads welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive happy hour we got a full house this week yeah it's it's a packed holy crap we got everybody here and then some it's good filling all the chairs up there's enough for canasta how about that lucky us (laughs) (laughs) somebody grab the scorecard baby hot damn that's right. <laughs> I am Brett Hatfield here with our engineer and co-host, the returning Mr. Mark Gross, Yo. and the evil genius of Craving Cars on YouTube, Mr. Corey Pratt. Yep, fresh back from an extensive tour of Arkansas. Woo! It's Woo. my will. Where'd you no. get to go? <laughs> That's a whole different tour. Yeah. Where'd you, where'd you go to? Uh, that particular. So it it's kind of sucks. It was like, hey, can you go down there? I thought I was coming back the next day, and it turns out it was like the next day. It was like. Hey, Brett, by the way, I'm going to be here all week. We're down in Little Rock for a couple of days, and then we took off the northwest Arkansas area, like Fayetteville area, oh, okay. and then was yeah, there yeah. for a few more days. Yeah, real difficult part was he only had one pair of drawers on him. We'll talk about that in the talk about it part, because there's some beautiful places. I, I, and then we purposely took a detour. It was me and another guy, uh, one of the managers. We took a detour. Shotgun wedding. Through a more, <laughs> a, nice a more rural area through Arkansas and all that stuff, just so we can have some scenery. Can you yeah, say that so. again? A more what area? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even want to take a second stab at it? Nope. Let me get a couple more drinks in. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> we'll go around that tree again. Uh, we also have in studio Mr. David Henderson of Empire Automotive, KC. Good evening. Here in a little while, he's going to tell us why he's great and everybody else sucks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that. Something, something along like those lines. Ish. We are coming to you from Driven Radio Studios at Driven Media World Headquarters. Here in beautiful, rain-soaked mm. Overland Park, Kansas. Although the rain has been keeping the temperature down, that's pretty nice. We've had a lot of 70-degree yeah. overcast days of late. Uh not the worst thing in the world. It sure beats the weather that they're getting in the Pacific Northwest. Oh, my God. Yeah, Portland. Uh, my wife has friends in Portland, and when they're hitting over like a buck 12, buck 15 in frickin' Portland, oh this my one goodness. guy has and all these. Really? And nobody oh, yeah. in Portland has AC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because they don't normally get this. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want a jacuzzi, you got it. It's the town. It's It's, so hot. My leggings are sticking to me. (laughs) This is in your your car. My Starbucks will not cool down no matter how much I foof it. (laughs) (laughs) It's been steaming for three days. I I really do uh, feel sorry for them, though, because uh, y'all ain't used to that. No. No, man, they're not built for it. Welcome to the suck. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the password is heat dome <laughs> you can find us online at drivenradioshow.com and readthedriven.com follow us on facebook twitter and instagram at driven radio show and listen everywhere find podcasts are heard if you like what you're hearing leave us a positive review on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to tell all your gearhead friends if there's something you would like to hear more of or someone you think we should interview or if you have an interesting story, hey, we're up for those. I always like a good story. Yeah. Tell us. Send your emails to Brett at read or pardon me, Brett at DrivenRadioShow.com. 
So, guys, with all the crap weather we've had and absences from home and everything, have you done anything car-related or bike-related? Not a whole lot, except for as soon as I got home, I took the Porsche out. I mean, it was raining. I didn't care. I was like, I got to go. <laughs> it's been over a week since I was in the car. I was like, car I does go. have wipers on it. It does, absolutely. And it does just fine in the rain. However, here's a here's an interesting, real short story. When I was down in Arkansas for work, um, one of the hotels we stayed at in Northwest Arkansas, Sean, who's one of my coworkers that went down there with me, uh-huh. sent me a picture. And it was a picture of a, remember I talked about the Mercedes Sprinter van that my wife and I were going to yes, end up getting? Yeah. He took a picture of, of one that's like that, only it was an extended one. And it had a company called Backwoods, plug, huh? Um, on, on the side of this, I was like, hey, that was at the Overland Expo I went down in Springfield, Missouri back in February. Mm-hmm. I was like, wow, that's weird that it's right there because they have stuff that I want to put on the Sprinter van my wife and I are getting. They have the, yeah, like the bumpers the, and the, stuff the like that. bumper hitch toilet seat. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. That's it. And uh, testicles. you got to have the testicles taken down. Turns out their headquarters and where they built everything was right next door to our hotel, so I got to go over there. Oh, wow. There. Yeah, oh, that's I, cool. I ended up going oh, over there the next cool. morning and talking to the guys. So. Did you suck up to the right people? Absolutely. And so hopefully we'll be going down there and doing a video. With a southern of their, accent. Yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward to seeing that yeah. on Craving Cars. So, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely. On Craving Cars on YouTube. Get a bit Sprinter of, van people. Yeah, as soon as we get the van, we're going to go down there. Because and we're gonna Corey get some is the host of so. Craving Cars, cars. on yes. YouTube. Where you'll see your Sprinter vans. Isn't that crazy? Stop by. Weird, isn't it? On Craving it's, Cars. No. That's so actually it was just like cool. a small world because that was like the first thing I wanted to do to the van we got it was put the, the front and rear bumpers and change them out. And yeah, yeah. They, <laughs> I know where they're at now. They can't hide from me. I'm looking for the disco like. And you know what you got to put on it? Gregor's. Damn, that's my, oh my boy. Gosh. You damn right. Raised white tires. <laughs> oh yeah, Mickey, Mickey Thompson's. Thompson's. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. You gotta class right. that bitch up. Uh-huh. Bam. Yeah, that's what's and, going on. And you know you'll have to stay in Arkansas. But that's gonna have to get some. Uh, gonna, I'm gonna some put some glass packs on it. Deep plush. Because it's diesel. Oh, that's and air shocks. Oh, glass packs. I hit the switches. Diesel glass packs. Bring it on. Everybody out. Everybody out. You need the wheel flares that turn into the running board. Oh my god. And side pipes underneath those. Side pipes. It's going to make love to a Ford Aerostar and it's going to be beautiful. Trust me. How about you, Brett? What'd you do? Well, gentlemen, in case anybody missed it, this is National Corvette Day. Oh, yay! National Corvette Day! Congratulations to everybody who owns a Corvette. And it's rained its butt off all day long, so I did nothing. Well, you need to go somewhere and hug a Corvette. I uh, I kind of did that this morning. Good I put man. a battery charger on the 65 because I left the park lights on the other day and now the battery's <laughs> Inadvertently love, but and, still uh, love. You're and atoning I, for past sins. That's right. I did spend some time last night uh, on the buffer, polishing it out and getting some of the, the little uh, marks out of the paint. They got you out of the paint? Uh, I'm falling in Does love it look her. nice? It's pretty shiny. It's pretty. I guess and, I should have went and looked at it. Uh, I was talking to her while I was polishing her, <laughs> and uh, I think that car's name might be Miss Blue. <laughs> okay. I haven't done a whole lot because it's been raining so much. The few uh, oh, little yeah. gaps in the rain we have had, we've taken the 65 mm-hmm. out and buzzed around. In. Uh, and, and finally, after an extended protracted wait... My stupid wheel knockoff tool is going to be here Monday. Yay! From Germany, covered in sauerkraut. Nice. And uh, finally got to take the wheels <laughs> off and make sure all the wheel bearings and brakes and everything are okay. And swap out for those new 
Gold Line Radial Tires. Thank you very much. Oh, yeah. Now, when you jack it up, do you do that on the axle itself, or is there a... No, I take it to my buddy's shop, and I let him try to figure out how to to get the arms underneath the uh, side exhaust without crushing the crap out of everything. (laughs) Uh, He's insured. We Mm -hmm. like that. Yeah, somebody else's liability. Poor Daryl is the guy who beat the lead hammer to death, and I got to look at that mother the other day, and... uh, it's good for a boat hanger and not much else. You need now. to put that uh, on your wall. Paper yeah. memorial. Yeah. Uh, it's going to take a little bit to hang it up. <laughs> Six pounds of twisted lead. Mr. Mark. Well, I shot around, you know, the day that you uh, sent me a message said, hey, man, this would be a good day to drive. Yeah, it would and be I was like, maybe I, can, maybe I can do that. So instead of, you know, messaging you back, I'm like, ah, yeah, I'm finally off work. I can do this. I shot over, and you guys were already gone because you're smart. Yeah, cherry coke. So uh, <laughs> I, just, I just went tooling around. It was beautiful. I did discover that it seems like about 199th Street south of Kansas City. Gravel. All, oh, my God, yes. Gravel. Everything. Yeah, everything's gravel. And I'm just not really ready for that quite well, yet. Uh, well, and nor should you be, and that's why I said, wow. come with me, <laughs> and I'll show you where it's not gravel. Well, I'm trying to find a, like a back road path to Paola, and everything points me right back to 169, which uh, I took north to come back, and uh, at 70 miles an hour with that wind and no windshield, it was beating my head sideways. Yeah. And I was like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to ride above my skill set quite yet, so... Dude, uh, we'll, kind of backed it we'll off. get you there, but what we really need to do is take back roads and cut down by Hillsdale Lake. Yeah. And I've ridden down there a lot. I can get you there. We'll just go as soon as the sky dries out, which is looking like a week from next Thursday right now. Yeah. <laughs> but first day, dry day we get, we'll take off, and I'll show you how to. You can get there. You can get all over without touching highway. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, you'll feel like you've just ridden through green nothing forever. Uh, and I also, uh, Chip Ashby, by the way, from Kansas oh, Chip, Automotive Chip. Museum, I am going to be calling you in the next couple of days. I know you listen. Don't mm. try and tell me you don't. And because uh, I, I got to get that Chip. Gotta get that carb fixed. You know, it's still a little gummy. And it's starting to leak a little gas. Yeah. Well, I wanted you to feel uh, like you weren't the only one. So now the Corvette has started to fall on its face over about 4,500, and it leaks a little gas. <laughs> hey, Chip. There you go. I'm glad I'm not hey, how many beers? part of hey, this group hey, right, hey, leaking gas. Chip, uh, yeah. do you know anything about Hollies? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking to you soon. Uh, one thing I did do while I was at the hardware store buying my 13th battery charger, because all of them <laughs> seemed to migrate down to the, lum- to the warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, while I was buying that, I bought what's the most important thing to keep in a Corvette? Fire, Fire extinguisher. extinguisher. Uh-huh. You ever seen one burn? Yes. Have you? Yeah, there's they, not much left at no, the end. No, they, 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 melt, they burn like old they? Christmas trees. Yes. <laughs> in fact, they'll, they'll imitate your dog. It goes, woof, and then it's done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a surprisingly small pile of bones at Yes, the end. It, it is. It really is. Oh, so uh, you might have wheels. Maybe. You might have wheels. Mostly just a frame. Yeah. Yeah, and the frames don't look all that hot either. No. So, the one I, I saw one on a, uh, and I should have bought the car, but uh, there's some website, and I can't remember the name of it, where you can go and buy cars that have been either repoed Co-part. or salvaged. Is that, is that what it Co-part. is? It's part yeah. And it has like an S ton of them, and a lot of n- cool old ones where they've driven it into a telephone pole or, yeah. mm-hmm. or had a, a small so fire. A lot of Mustangs they and don't I, do well in crashes. No. no. I, I saw a number. There was one that was like a 53 Corvette. 
that it scorched. They only made 300 Aww. of those. And you could buy the frame for like $8,000. The <laughs> bent, burnt frame. And I think the, yeah. the engine was still sitting. It was just this long, dark pile of sadness. Yeah. Aww. That's yep. exactly what they become. I don't want to go to that site. Uh, and the, <laughs> other th- the other thing about that is, you know, first, second, and third gen Corvettes don't do re- well in racks. And the same joke that I've made to Rhonda about the 60 Corvette, it, I've said about the 65, doesn't really matter if you're wearing your seatbelt in it. The seatbelt is not going to save you. It is going to help a puking first responder find a corpse. <laughs> At least the, <laughs> yeah. most of it. At least half of it. Yeah. 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 Uh, that, that is the, the only thing reception. that's going to be good for us. <laughs> oh, God, there he is. Oh, the tacos. Uh, that's, <laughs> Save the tacos. I should have stayed away from that taco bar, for God's sake. <laughs> oh, all right, then. Uh, on that note. On that note. Who, who had uh-huh. off the rails in 12 and a half minutes? Uh, well, I, I think that's the standing bet, and we usually make it, baby. In the news this week, you can own Neil Pert's Corvette Split Window Coupe. The world's largest Corvette seller has been sold, and new Broncos will soon be roaming the streets. Uh, and segment two, if he makes it that long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the glazing eyes are starting yeah. to worry me. <laughs> That's a little bit of drool. He, All he, other he's guests. already rocking in the chair, and look at that beard <laughs> going. That ain't hey. going to make it, man. I ain't going to make it. <laughs> that's, that's the advantage of most of the other guests. They don't have to be there the whole show. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Ha, 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 ha. Oh, David. Oh, David. <laughs> Sucker. In segment two, we will be speaking with David Henderson, co-owner of Empire Automotive KC. And he will be here to, well, he is here, to discuss uh, what surprised him about the auto restoration business, what a true restoration involves, and what makes Empire a step above the rest. Let's take a look at those news stories. From GM Authority, Rush drummer Neil Pert's Corvette Split Window Coupe heads to auction. <clears throat> we might know the author of this story. We might. We might. We might. We might. Uh, some young guy. Uh, Neil Pert. <laughs> is he Asian? Drummer for Rush. I'm not that uh, young. And one of my favorite bands, and honestly, by the way. One, yeah, of, your, like, one of your favorite Canadian rock trios? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. There was three people making it. a hell of a lot of noise. Yes, it was. Really yep. impressive. Mm-hmm. And I used to listen to uh, All the World's a Stage. I would sneak into my brother's room, double album set, and play his and put scratches on it and stuff. But it was an awesome, <laughs> awesome double album to listen to. Uh, Pert joined the band in 74 after the departure of John Rutsey, remained the percussionist, lyricist, until passing last year. Suck. Yeah. Uh, he loved cars from an early age, describing himself in a quote as a car lover since infancy. Now, after moving cool. from Canada to Southern California in 2000, Pert began to collect some of his dream cars. The Corvette Split Window Coupe was one of the collection of silver cars he called his, quote-unquote, silver, silver surfers. surfers. And there was an explanation for that. He said when he yeah. used to drive up and down the uh, PCH in Southern California, he would imagine which color would look best against the blue surf. And he said not surf. black okay. cars, not red cars, not white cars, but silver and he felt like he was surfing along the highway. So silver servers, there you go. Nice. Interesting. And it takes so, a Canadian. Yeah. So he's not yeah. a comic well, book or, fan. Or Stanley. Don't you know. <laughs> Don't you know. Yeah. And uh, uh, along with the 63 Corvette, Mr. Pert's collection includes a 64 Aston Martin DB5. James Bond's car. A, silver, a 1964 Shelby Cobra 289. Ooh. Now, that's the only car in the collection that is not silver, by the way. No, but that's black over black, and it's mm. actually... A 70 yeah. Lamborghini Miura. Yes. Oh my 65 goodness 65 Maserati yeah, Mistral Spider. 
64 Jag E-Type series with a uh, 3.8 liter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, nice oh, little coupe. Gracious, yes. 73 nice Maserati Ghibli. Did I say that right? Yes. yes. yes oh, my did. God, I did. It's got an H in it, which is just confusing as hell. Uh, Maserati it. Ghibli 4.9 SS Coupe. <laughs> and our feature 63 Chevy uh, Corvette Split Window Coupe. Split Window has, is a Sebring Silver Metallic with a red vinyl interior. It's got a 327 cubic inch, or as we said earlier, a 327 Windsor. Uh, <laughs> 340 horsepower <laughs> with a four-speed manual gearbox. Uh, it's been the subject of a fastidious restoration prior to Mr. Pert's purchase in uh, 2011. Was he against not having a car from the 60s? Uh, yeah. That's it. Okay. That's mm. all I want to know. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Really? You waited that long to get that in? I had to wait. He was talking a lot. I For was, the love of God. <laughs> I, was, I was on a roll. Yeah, I didn't want to leave him alone. A drum roll. Yeah, there it is. And it was themed. Thank you. It's headed to auction block at the Gooding & Company Monterey Car Week sale this August in Monterey. Pre-sales estimates at $150,000 to $180,000. I bet cool. it goes for more than that. And, oh, by the I way, so. I may be at that sale with our favorite photographer, Mr. Pedwatt. Oh, Ped will be clicking. Cool. Yeah, well, he's having me send out Driven Media uh, press pass requests to everybody. Nice. I, awesome. Or as we call him, Ped. What? What? Mm-hmm. I will stay seeing Russian live and seeing Neil Pert do his little uh, his you, session. You got to see them live? A couple oh. times. Yeah. Oh, I hate you. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> he literally takes about 10 minutes by himself, just him on the drums, and it's just the most fantastic time. You yeah. know what? But my favorite drum solo I've ever seen, just to really completely ruin this moment, yep. was on Branson, Missouri's Branson Channel. And oh my goodness! He tie a Branson. yellow ribbon round the old oak no, tree. No, not Tony that? Orlando. Tony for Orlando. The love of God. He had a backing band that was going up in the pyramid, so it had the layers and everybody. And in the middle was some deaf leopard looking jackass <laughs> with a trap set. <laughs> one hand. And so he no, had one he arm? had both. I think they were both left. <laughs> so he really but he had both. Yeah, that's a different guy. Then. You know that guy from <laughs> Deaf Leopard? You got to hand it to him because he can't. You read. have not lived <laughs> until you've seen a drum solo in the middle of tie a yellow ribbon, and he's spinning the sticks and he's banging. The things up in front, and and you know you've got the little elfish uh, Tony Orlando locking up in front, down in front, and then finally, it was the I most god awful thing I've ever seen. I was seen. convinced you were going to say the uh, the drum challenge between Animal from the Muppets. <laughs> No, that was actually good. <laughs> this was a tragedy, and this is the only time I've ever gotten a share. He's my friend in this moment. I hope it was worth it for you because I, I, I regret nothing. All right, uh, I, I'm, next. I'm glad we could. Uh, I'm glad we could go on that little trip from GM Authority. Kerbic Corvette sold to. Now I'm going to take a stab at this name because I'm not real sure how it's pronounced. It's C I O C C A, Cioca or Chioca. Is it uh, Italian? I'm going to go with the second one. Yeah, Chalka. Yeah. Hey, yeah, that, those I'm guys. Take the what's the matter for you? Hey, what's the matter? It's my brother. Shut up. Shut up. I'll stab you. Kerbeck Corvette, the world's largest Corvette franchise. That's the stab you part. Stop laughing. I'm not going to be able to get through this. I'll never get through it if you're giggling. It's Tony Orlando. You got to watch it. Tony Orlandini. <laughs> Tony Orlando and Don. Don. You Don. Both of you. I quit. And you were saying about a Corvette. <laughs> right. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good night. Hey! Hey! hey. 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 <laughs>
Kerbeck Corvette, the world's largest Corvette <laughs> franchise, has been sold to Pennsylvania-based dealer group Chioka Dealerships. I'm going to go with Chioka. There you go. It's probably, like, it's probably wrong, but that's what no, we're going with. Located in Atlantic City, Kerbeck Corvette has been the largest dedicated Corvette dealership for the past 27 years. Chioka Dealerships purchased Cor- uh, Kerbeck this week, along with Kerbeck Chevrolet, Buick GMC, and Kerbeck Cadillac. Oh. Kerbeck Cor- Corvette will be renamed Chioka Corvette. Why not? Following the acquisition, <laughs> while the name is set to change, Chioka says the same team of sales experts will continue to represent the dealership going forward. According to the data compiled by Corvette blogger, Kerbeck Corvette sold 866 Chevy Corvettes in 2020 during COVID. Holy cow. Wow. During COVID. How did they even get hold of them? Wow. Uh, you know, you sell them, you get allocation for the next year. Ah. Uh, it was the world's largest Corvette dealer on the planet by sales volume, and they are listed in the Guinness Book of World Records that way. Do you think wow. they got out cool. of it? Do you think Kerbeck got out of it because of uh, the two things? One, the complete shortage uh, and continued shortage of vehicles, and then this, you know, hardcore push toward electric that's getting kind of like crazy well, hardcore. Uh, again, uh, they've been a dealership for the uh, Corvette dealership for the past 27 years. It may just be that it's time. It's time, yeah. 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 Kerbeck's like, I'm tired. He was holding the gun to my head. See, you know, the, owner, the owner may be stabbed my brother. 60s, 70s. Hey, what'd you do to my brother? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and he's, he's just decided that, okay, I got $8 zillion and uh, all the Corvettes uh, I could ever stand. Maybe it's time to be, retire uh, and enjoy this. Could be yeah. going into witness protection. You never know. Could be lost in Arkansas. Could be. Could be. You never know. With crackers. Could be that there. Road from Road and Track here. Getting ready to see the twenty twenty one Ford Broncos on the road. It's only overdue. Ford started <laughs> building the twenty twenty one Bronco finally earlier this month. Well, building and delivering. Well, yes, yes, yes. And and those who reserved them uh, finally started taking delivery. Uh, according to posts from the Bronco 6G Forum, these orders are for more than 190,000 reservations. Good God in heaven. Wow. What? <laughs> well, I, you know what? With that said, I actually talked to a couple of Ford dealers about that. I was like, so how many are you taking before you stop? They go, we're not. Nice. They just kept going. And as, as long as one someone ordered it and put the deposit down, they were, they were taking them. Wow. Uh, so those who want to place future orders, though, from here on out will likely have to wait till next year. Yeah, uh, the photos on the forum show a four-door hardtop Badlands model finished in uh, race red, equipped with the optional Sasquatch package. Yeah! Sasquatch doesn't believe in you neither. <laughs> <laughs> that adds the biggest thing about that Sasquatch package is it adds thirty-five inch all-terrain tires. Thirty-five inch tires from a stock car. Big yeah. tires, wow. man. Uh, four-door uh, Badlands model starts at forty-six thousand and eighty-five dollars. You know, I went on the uh, uh, Bronco configurator, and I think. Uh, is the Badlands model the the one that's uh, top of the line after the first edition or whatever it is? And I, I, I think so. I think that's kind of like the more, I the did more one rugged of those version of the of in them. a four door decked out yeah. with just every cool thing I could put on it, and got done. And it was only fifty eight grand. Now you say only fifty eight grand, but think about it: what a new full size pickup goes for. Yeah, and I was like. That's not. I that feel like you get a, quite a bit. They're, they're including a lot with this Bronco, like like option wise. Mm-hmm. It's a of, third one down. 
the top of the line is Bronco First Edition. Yeah, the first well, edition. But that's sold out. Yeah, that's the, the one after release. So the Bronco yeah. Wild Track. The, the, yeah, that one. I went and decked that thing Wild completely track. out in a four-door version with everything you could get on it, all the cool stuff, and the $3,500 luxury package and everything, and it was fifty-eight grand. Now, the no first bad. edition went for, what, 60-something? What's the same? Uh, yeah, uh, starting at fifty-six. So yeah. uh, you just By the go time from you there. throw yeah. some stuff out. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty easy to get close to seventy on those. I think. Okay. You know, okay. stereo and cup holders. But yeah. on the wild, uh, the the wild land. What was Craigers. it? The wild track. Uh, wild track. The wild track. I did. I decked it out with everything on there. Thirty-five inch Mickey I, I am missing my nineteen ninety more than a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> God damn yeah. it. Uh, Probably so. But with everything on it, brand new, fifty-eight grand didn't seem that bad. I mean, granted, it's almost $60,000, but if you did that with a, yeah. a new Silverado or a new F-150, it'd be eighty grand. Yeah, well, considering you deck, you deck out a four-door Rubicon, Wrangler Rubicon, it's I think it's actually over sixty. If you really throw everything at it, yeah. and then the Gladiators are a few thousand even more than that. So. I even had the... I know that's a truck. They ha- they've got a clear bra on it. They've got clear paint protection yeah. on it. And that's like a two- it was two hundred fifty bucks. It was so cheap; it seems stupid not to do. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Because you'll pay mm-hmm. a lot more net to a local person yeah. to, to so get it done. So fifty-eight yeah. grand. Yeah, not bad. Absolutely awesome. So uh, we got six trim levels available on the new Bronco. Since we were just talking about that, yep, uh, including obviously the base, yes, the mm-hmm. big bend, the black diamond, the outer banks, uh, the wild track, and Badlands. You know, those all actually sound kind of like a cool kind of name, too. Yeah, they are. I got a wild track. I got a Badlands. I got the Black Diamond, motherfucker. I got something I got to keep scratching. Yeah. The two-door configuration comes with only the hardtop, while the four-door model is available soft and the hardtop. That seems. That seems. uh, I I feel like the the four-door is really just the more. I think that's the way to go. I'm going to be honest. I'd get the four-door. This is the part where I guys? normally introduced our special guest who's coming up, but I already yep. introduced him because he's sitting right there. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody. Yeah. It's David Henderson. Yay. He's the co-owner of Empire Automotive KC. David's going to tell us in just a minute about uh, what surprised him about the auto restoration business, what a true restoration involves, and what makes Empire a step above the rest. All this and much more is coming up on Driven Radio. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Media World Headquarters in Overland Park, Kansas. Our guest this week is Mr. David Henderson. Hello. Holding down that end of the table and making sure that we get through all the beer. (laughs) He is co-owner of Empire Automotive KC. David has always been fascinated with mechanical things, especially vintage cars. David is a McPherson College Auto Restoration Program alum. If only we could have somebody from McPherson on this show. I know. You really ought to talk about McPherson sometime, at least. Give them a little little attention. (laughs) Something. Me goodness gracious. (laughs) (laughs) While David was going to school at McPherson, he interned for Carriage Motor Works and then worked there after graduation. Uh, Carriage Motor Works was here in Kansas City. He, uh, David eventually partnered with his friend Matt Pluff to buy CMW, and that's where the story begins. David, welcome to Driven Radio. Thank you. Glad to be here. Uh, I'm glad you found the house. Yeah, it wasn't hard, actually. <laughs> you mean the studio? 
Right. Yes. <laughs> world yes. headquarters. Yes. Yes. World radio headquarters or whatever yeah. it's called. Yeah. 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 Driven Media World Headquarters. Yeah. Yeah. At the, at the yeah. end of the cold sack. Yeah, but it's yes. eight yeah. stories tall. Yeah. Uh-huh. You know, it feels like it anyway. It is. <laughs> yeah. It's well, well it, it does when I have to walk my crippled ass upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> Truth. All right, David, tell us about Courage, Mo- Courage and Motor Works. Uh, what kind of shop was it? What did you learn working there? And what surprised you most about the business? Okay. That, yeah, that's a, a multi-tiered question. Well, let's it, just start at the beginning. Me. What kind of shop was it? Well, Carriage and Motor Works uh, was a shop that was primarily focused on British and Euro- European sports car service. Um, it was started in 1975 um, by a man named Al Green. Uh, it Good was at singer. the quarter of... Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, it was at the quarter of 47th and Mission Road, where Oklahoma Joe's or joe's kc whatever they want to call it now uh is currently located um so it was in that in that service station corner um they did primarily like i said british and european sports car service and at that time all those cars were just cheap used cars yeah um i mean they were ordering points and condenser sets by the gross um and doing wait 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 British cars needed electrical work? No. 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 Not a chance. Not a chance. <laughs> I was about to say, is it next to Radio Shack? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's a little high tech for British. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's next door to CarQuest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they can just walk the parts over. Um, my former boss, Brian Haupt, bought that business in 1979 um, and then continued to run it, basically focused on sports car work. Um, until they moved to our current location, which is at 633 Southwest Boulevard mm-hmm. in the beginning of 1991. Um, that was a significant expansion physically, uh, moving from something like 2,500 square feet to about 5,000 square feet in the portion of the building that they were using at the time. I had actually followed a neighbor of my parents' home, uh, I was driving a 67 Volvo 122 wagon at the time, saw this fellow driving through my parents' neighborhood in a really nice 55 Jaguar XK140. Ooh, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool. And Luke I have Channel, nothing- if you're Indeed. listening right yeah. now, you're going to have to back away from the radio. <laughs> that's right. Uh, I thought, I have nothing better to do, so I'll just follow this guy home and hope he doesn't shoot me. Um, <laughs> so I did. Um, Obviously, he, he didn't shoot you because you're here. The right correct. Scary. Yes. Well, he may have shot him, but he's still here. Oh, correct. Yeah. I survived. What a good shot. Uh, not only did he have the XK140, but he had uh, an early Porsche 356 Speedster. Oh, nice. He Ooh. had a 28 Studebaker President seven-passenger sedan. Oh, my God. And a 1934 Studebaker IndyCar. Ooh. What? Yeah. Very cool car. Wow. Yeah. Inline, uh, inline eight-cylinder engine, really cool Ooh. car. Oh my um, god, that sounds awesome! And I got to talking to him, and I said, "Well, who does your restoration work?" At the time, I was in school at McPherson, and he said, "Well, um, the Studebakers, both the President sedan and the IndyCar, uh, the restorations were done by a fella down on uh, Southwest Boulevard by the name of Brian Haupt, and he owns a shop called Carriage and Motorworks. Um, he's not very good with people." Um, he's kind of weird, an artsy fartsy guy, mm. but he's really good with cars. And I said, okay, well, maybe I should. Gee, check we've these guys never out. run into that before. No, no, no. certainly that's not a common <laughs> theme. 
So I decided uh, while I was home on break from school to go check these guys out. And, I mean, the place was an absolute disaster. Um, but it was on that particular day full of the smell of race gas from Brian's Alfa Romeo Spider that he was running in SCCA e-production racing. Oh, my God. So I got there, and there's this monstrosity of a race transporter parked at the curb, and he's backing out in the Alfa, and, it, you know, it's a, a two-liter twin-cam four-cylinder, about 13-to-1 compression, almost no <laughs> muffling on the exhaust. I mean, the thing, I mean, Holy just shoot. sounds incredible. No. Smells fantastic on race gas, and I thought, I yeah, I, I could probably handle working here. This would <laughs> be all right. I'm home. Um, so I introduced myself. They gave me a short shop tour and they brought me on as a summer intern for the summer of 2003, um, brought me in, in the, the body and restoration department. And so that was really where I learned, uh, to first wield a paint gun and, and do some, some welding and restoration work, uh, because I hadn't yet gone through the body and restoration courses at McPherson. Um, I hate to interrupt you. No, go ahead. But. When you were going to Mac, yeah. uh, the body classes, mm-hmm. was uh, was Jamie there? Was Jamie Hart teaching? No, he had already moved on, and so he had a shop sort of on the north side of town. Yeah, and I, I remember the shop. I spent too much time in there. Yeah, yeah. And so he was <laughs> like, class. no, that's the off-limits area of mm-hmm. town. Nobody go there and talk to him because he knows too much about McPherson. Uh, well, I don't <laughs> want to hear those stories, and he's, he's the bad guy. Um well, he may have been the bad guy, but he was also the guy that made all of the metal finishing filing marks go Holy. in one direction. Yes. And yes. so it's like, okay. And he's also the guy who could pinstripe the old wooden spoke wheels freehand. Yeah. Well, with, without even thinking about it. And he was, he was scary good at what he did. It didn't matter when you went to his shop. You never actually saw any work being done. No. It was just that the car had been magically transformed from the last time you saw it. Yeah. <laughs> and so there was this this aura about Jamie Hart that was it was like auto well, restoration. He, he worked was, well was after magical. dark and he also had rather a love hate relationship with Miller Light. Yes. And and there was sort of a lingering backstory that his rotisserie had once been an on campus McPherson College light pole. Yes. That disappeared in the middle of the night. <laughs> That wouldn't surprise um, me. And then changed I, shape. I, I can no, I can neither I can neither confirm nor deny these rumors. However, right. I may have had a lot of photographs taken from inside his shop. Uh-huh. I I may or may not also have a picture of Jamie wearing a Miller Lite box for a hat. <laughs> yeah, that sounds appropriately, McPherson. Always more no, than McPherson's. Yes. The, the depth and breadth of this crap would what amaze you. a great you. educational <laughs> yeah. institution. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Paid, oh, a yeah. Lot of, paid a lot of money to be a juvenile delinquent there. Yeah, yeah. Of course, I was a juvenile delinquent in my 30s, but... <laughs> well, you see, you learn. Well, stuck with you. You see, Timmy? <laughs> uh, so... Threw you completely off track. So yeah, a little bit, but that's there you okay. are in the shop with the stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, here I am. Here I am. And there's knee, an alpha, and there's race gas, and right. there's stuff, and there's yeah. things. So I, I sort of cut my teeth with that first summer internship at Carriage and Motor Works. 
Um, and when I got ready to go back and finish my last year of school at McPherson, Brian said, you know, we've, we've really enjoyed having you here. If you want to come back when you're done with school, there is a place here for you. Uh, we'd be glad to have you back. Well, oh, wow, cool. while I was wow, at that's, school. That's quite a bit different from what I heard at McPherson. Um, we like your money, but we kind of wish that you would uh, make yourself scarce. Go away. <laughs> For the love of God, never. Mm-hmm. Are you the jackass who showed up for convocations and full leather Harley regalia? Turn on the printer. We need his diploma now. <laughs> yeah, get this guy out of here. All yeah. this sounds familiar. <laughs> so uh, I returned to Carriage and Motor Works in a full-time capacity after I was done with school at McPherson. Um during my last year at school, uh, the guy that had sort of trained me or or been my, my mentor during that internship had left Carriage and Motor Works and gone to work at a different shop. And so Brian brought me in to sort of spearhead the restoration department. And so that was my beginning capacity and, and sort of uh, transferring him out of an old way of doing business where he was sort of robbing Peter to pay Paul, taking deposits on... Uh, upcoming projects to sort of feed progress on current projects because he just didn't really have a handle on how uh, to... Automotive restoration Ponzi scheme. Right, sort of. You know, he didn't really have a, a good handle on how to accurately document time spent on projects, accurately bill, mm. uh, you know, have have clients making regular progress payments that made sense. So it sounds like what you learned while you were working there in addition to doing any of the work was the right way versus the wrong way to run an, a restoration shop. There was some of that. Um, you know, I certainly brought some different processes and a lot better um, efficiency and transparency with with project owners, clients, that sort of thing um, that had not been in place in prior years with Brian's ownership. And so while some of the things that he demonstrated were ways that I didn't want to continue doing business, um, he certainly was an excellent boss, excellent mentor. Um, and one of the things that I really enjoyed about working for him the most is that it didn't matter what kind of a bind we got into on a project. He would absolutely never, ever throw one of his employees under the bus with a client. Wow. Um, he was always That's a awesome. really, really stand-up guy. That's impressive. Um, yeah, very. So I learned a lot from him over the years. I, I worked for Brian uh, and, and the Carriage and Motor Works entity from full-time from 2004 until Matt and I partnered together to buy the business and turn it into Empire Automotive in the fall of 2015. So what convinced you to buy that bit? Were you, did you talk Matt into it? Did he talk you into it? Were you both of a common mind or was it just, well, hell, maybe we ought to do this? Uh, we were pretty well of a common mind. Matt and I have known each other since high school uh, and have sort of weaved in and out of the lane of automotive restoration for the last 20 years, uh, each of us following our own path. Um, I had sort of been groomed to take over the business from Brian, but I never wanted to do it on my own. Uh, It was a large enough operation that I didn't want to run it as a single guy. Um, Matt had worked off and on for his brother, his older brother, in a restoration shop that focused mainly on early Mustangs and vintage Ford stuff. Um, Was that the shop over on, uh, on Merriam Lane? Yeah. Yeah. His older brother owns a shop called Mustangs and more, uh, which is there on Merriam Lane, just South of Johnson drive. And he's still in business, still doing well. 
Um, I'm familiar with the shop. Yeah. Well, and he's right across the street from Ossipix Place, where you yeah. normally take your Corvette. Yeah. yeah well, uh, that's where I take uh, all my stuff to torture Daryl Ossipix. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and and Daryl's brother Mike is a member of the yeah. Austin Healy Club. Uh, yeah. And so he's I, been in my shop a number of times. I know. Sort of, Mike makes me shake my head. Yeah. Mike's an interesting guy. <laughs> um, so anyway, Matt had forged out on his own and had started a small restoration shop, which he called Empire Restoration. Oh. Um, he was working out of a something like 2,500 or 3,000 square foot shop, largely working by himself. That's from, not a lot of room. It's really not. And so he would really only have five or six cars in process at a time. Uh, some of the time he had part-time staff helping him, but in large part, he was trying to generate 40 billable hours during the week and then was working in his home office in the evenings trying to tackle all of the invoicing and customer communications and parts sourcing and all of that stuff. So here he is working 60 or 65 hours a week trying to scrape out a living largely as a one-man operation. He said, you know, I love vintage car stuff, but I don't want to do this alone. So I'm either going to partner with somebody or I'm going to move into a different career. Sure. So we were sort of in a, a parallel, like-minded scenario as we got ready to take over uh, Carriage and Motorworks. It, it wasn't really any arm twisting on anybody's part. Uh, it just made sense to, to join forces and, and buy the place from Brian. So here's the question that I've been dying to get to. Sure. What sets Empire apart from other restoration shops, or what is it that makes Empire special? I think really the thing that sets Empire Automotive, Empire Automotive apart from the flock is that we're really customer-focused and, and emphasize a different type of experience sure. with cool. Empire Automotive. This isn't just about restoring cars. This is more about dream fulfillment, um, you know, being able to bring to fruition a project that somebody has dreamed of since they were in high school, whether this is a car that's been sitting in their garage for 30 years or something that they've recently purchased to try and relive the glory days of high school and college. Um, you know, we're, we're really joining hands with the customer. A lot of our customers are very capable of doing a lot of work on their own. Um, some of that's mechanical, some of it's detail oriented things, but, um, if you didn't have the shop you had, they probably wouldn't be coming to you for it. Yes, that's very true. Um, you know, we, we've got about... I'm trying to set you up to brag about yourself. Because yeah, I've seen I, the shop I, I, and I, I know, know what you do. I know, I know. But I have to. Neither Matt or I, I are, are really uh, <laughs> big braggarts. Um, we've got about 12,000 square feet of shop space we've got eight guys working full-time and at any given time we've got 35 to 40 cars in process but you've got such amazing stuff in your shop we've got a really wide variety Walk, walking yeah, through your not shop just british sports cars anymore no, is it? no no it's not and okay here's a good example a few weeks back we talked about a 58 cadillac eldorado brome and that it was a pillarless suicide door stainless steel roof and the day after we talked about that on the show, I was walking through David's shop. He had one. Yeah. <laughs> he had one. And it yeah. was at the beginning of the restoration uh, wow. process. That's and it awesome. had been partially disassembled, but it was sitting yeah, on the yeah. back of the shop. And those things are unmistakable. They yeah. are rem- singularly remarkable cars. Yeah. And Vern and I are walking through there, and I take one look at it, and I said, Holy crap, dude! You've got an Eldorado Brome. He says, 
yeah, but and he's starting to <laughs> to talk about yeah, well, it's it's not this and it's not this, and I'm just sitting there with my jaw on my chest, looking. You've got an Eldorado broom, <laughs> yeah, but, but dude, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. and and we sort of are a well kept secret. You know, we we don't really advertise a whole lot. There's nothing about the building. Well, that's after this podcast, flashy. that shot. Yeah, a, a little bit. A little bit. I can't tell you how many times I've driven by, like going to. There's some taquerias down there that are just amazing. Yeah, yep. well, it's Southwest and, Boulevard. So. Taquerias, uh, how are you pronouncing? Some places to get tacos that are really amazing. And uh, I have driven barbecue. by, and the, there have been these beautiful no cars barbecue. sitting outside in just these amazing colors with these paint jobs, and they just look freaking cool. And I've always yep. wondered, and, and I freaking now know. Yeah, yeah, now you know. You, you freaking yeah. know. Now you've connected the dots. Yeah, you can't, Who you, knew? La, 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 wait la. till you walk through the shop. I'm looking forward to it. Wait till you walk through the shop. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a bit of a candy I'll be stopping store. by. Remember me? I was the one who said Absolutely stupid jokes. Is. Can I see your stuff? <laughs> so what is a true restoration? Uh, there are varying ideas and different standards for what people consider to be restored or you know, restified, whatever you want to call it. What is a true restoration? Yeah, this is a topic that comes up a lot, and part of what we pride ourselves on at Empire Automotive is authentic, transparent customer education. Um, some of the clients that we get have large collections of cars. They've been through the restoration process multiple times. They sort of know what to expect, um, and they have a pretty clear idea of how things are going to go. Other customers that come to us have no idea what owning a vintage car is like. Some people come to us with the first vintage car they've ever owned. And so they'll call trying to make an appointment to bring a car in for an evaluation. And so their first statement, uh, it's not even a question. Uh, their first statement is, I have an XYZ and it needs a full restoration. <laughs> and so the first response to that <laughs> is, uh, well, what do you mean by full restoration? Um, and oftentimes they mean, well, it quit running. Can we fix that? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a um, car rebuild, not a restoration. Sure. You know, and, and that's the truth. Um, customers have this sort of nebulous idea of restoration. I would call a full restoration um, the idea that we are going to completely disassemble your vehicle down to every last nut and bolt, a complete bare shell, bare frame. Everything is going to be bagged labeled, uh, correctly refinished, replated, restored, or replaced, and then reassembled. Um, it doesn't matter what kind of a car you're talking about. Uh, these days, the starting price tag for a process like that is six figures. Yes. No question about it. Mm -hmm. um, and, but that, and that first figure probably ain't a one. Very often, yes. <laughs> the person with their, their mother-in-law's 1970-whatever... Um, oftentimes thinks that a full restoration means, okay, it's been sitting in the garage for 15 years. We want to get it running and driving again. We do a lot of that kind of work. Yeah. Um, cars that have been sitting for two, five, 20 years, we're talking about resurrection of fuel system, hydraulic brakes, hydraulic clutch, suspension, um, tires, you know, all, all of the basics to make it mechanically sound and safe. Oftentimes that's a twenty-five to forty-five thousand dollar proposition sure. to get the car up and running again. And that's all the customer really wants. So there's obviously a huge difference between twenty-five grand and two hundred grand. Exactly. Exactly. 
um, this concept of a quote-unquote full restoration um, oftentimes just means making the thing safe and enjoyable again. Really, in a lot of people's minds, I think that would mean a heavy-duty detail and make it run. Yes. And they think that's a full restoration. Yeah. And what you guys are doing is a lot closer to what you find at Concord. Sure. Yeah. Well, and we're capable of the full gamut. I mean, we can do everything from, you know, basic service and maintenance on whatever vintage classic car you may be driving to an all out, all the way to the bare bones, complete restoration. Sure. And sometimes that basic service and maintenance and, you know, finding that you're not going to get it at Jiffy Lube. No. Uh, all no. due respect to Jiffy Lube, but damn. No, but you have to find a shop that knows what they're doing. Uh-huh. Yeah. And well, one of the most unique cars that we do regular service on is a 1959 Mercedes 300D, what they call an Adenauer yes. uh, convertible sedan. Yeah. So this is a, a convertible, large four-door sedan. They built 32 of them originally. Oh, Lordy. This is a car that's locally owned. It was purchased new by the current owner's father. You're kidding. Um, so it's been in the family since day one. This was Mercedes' response to Rolls-Royce and Bentley. Yes. They were entirely hand-built. They share a lot of mechanicals with uh, the 300SL, Gull Wings and Roadsters. Yes. Fuel-injected, big, inline-six. Um, it's a wonderful car. It doesn't need restoration. No. Um, yeah. Is Not it if you put that fuel cell in there in the subs. <laughs> <laughs> Big old Y with disc all the way around. Uh-huh. That's what I'm saying. Uh, that's right. Yeah, spinners. Yeah. Boom, oh, boom, boom. <laughs> 26s. You know, oh, and it's boy. nowhere near a 100-point car. It's it's a driver-quality car. Yeah. Um, but even in that condition, it's, it's a deep, deep six-figure car, well over half a million dollars. And it's something that the customer just wants to keep reliable and enjoyable. Sure. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate where they're coming from, but I'm certainly not in that strata. Yeah, that's that's rarefied air for sure. It certainly yeah. is. So a large part of restoring vehicle, vintage automobiles involves managing customer expectations, mm-hmm. what we've been talking about. Yep. How do you approach that conversation, and do most customers understand what's involved prior to that conversation? I would say that our customer base is probably split about half and half when they first come to us. Some have experienced restorations before, and so they have some expectation of of how things are going to go. Others are totally new to the game. We're working on a car for a client right now. It's a 48 Chrysler. Um, Oh, boy. uh, You got my attention now. Calm down. It's a very cool car. (laughs) You saw that twinkle Um, in his eye. (laughs) It had belonged to a longtime family friend of their parents. They had borrowed the car for their wedding 15 years ago. Oh. Um, and then when the owner passed away, the car became available. Um, so it was simply, yeah, that'd be neat to have. Um, so they bought the car. Uh, the engine is frozen. It needs a lot of mechanical work. We've just done an examination of this car, and I'm, I'm currently in the process of working up an estimate on what it might take to get the car back on the road. And and this client, I think, is, is probably on the, the upper end of the scale as far as um, realism of mm-hmm. their, their expectations, he's basically come to me saying, this is my first vintage car. I really have no idea what to expect, um, but I don't want to cut corners. Um, I would much rather spend good money up front making sure that mechanical systems are properly dealt with so that while we view this car as an art piece, it's something that we want to use regularly. Sure. So I would rather 
deal with things appropriately and have the thing be really sorted, really reliable so that my wife and I can use it and enjoy it rather than getting it out of the shop, putting 200 miles on it and have it leave us on the side of the road. I bet you wish most of your customers that way. Absolutely. Um, but for the customers that aren't educated and don't really know what to expect, yeah, we're pretty brutally honest with them in saying... Probably have to be. Yeah, of course. Um, so how do you approach that conversation? Yeah. Um, I would say that the customers that come to us really having no idea what to expect, um, we're fairly blunt, fairly direct in our delivery of an estimate in saying, okay, this car needs X number of dollars worth of work. Is the car worth that if you were to turn around and sell it tomorrow? No. Not a chance. And that's the way it is with 90% of restorations. Sure. They are not worth what you put into them if you turn around and sell them. More than likely not. So if what you want is an enjoyable vintage car that you can get in, use it for whatever you want it to, you know, if it's a sports car, do you want to cruise around with the wife on the weekend? If it's a vintage pickup truck, is it something that you want to look cool in as you're picking up supplies from Home Depot for your home renovation project or even as a, a business calling card? We've got a number of small business owners that want vintage utility vehicles sure, because they want something interesting as they're trying to market their own trade in areas like Brookside and Waldo and you know other areas that focus on vintage homes. Yep. They want a vintage truck sure, to sure. ply their trade. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll just be up front with them and say, hey, do you want to buy a vintage car that you can just use and enjoy? If that's the case, our evaluation of this car states, go ahead and sell it yeah. and buy a different one. If you are new to this game and you want to experience the roller coaster that is automotive restoration, if you want the experience of that ride, then let's go. But know that the dollars you spend, you're not going to get back if you turn around and sell the car in six months. What do you do when you've got a customer who has unrealistic expectations? You know, that happens every now and then. But again, um, it all just boils down to being honest with them and, and saying the expectations that you have for this project are either unrealistic from a time constraint perspective or a budget constraint perspective. Um, if you want to get this car running or back on the road for X number of dollars, we can't do that for you. Could you have it done by someone else? Maybe. Um, if someone else does the work, is that work going to be long-term reliable or are you just going to end up spending the money again later? I find that there are very few shops out there that are, capable of doing work that is going to last and mm-hmm. be wor- worth the money. Yeah. So. Well, and, and it's expensive to do things right once. Yeah. Um, anytime we do a full restoration or, or even a heavy mechanical res- resurrection, um, we tell the customers we're going to put something between two and 500 miles on the car before we ever give it back to you. Yeah. Because and the last should. thing we want you to do is spend a whole bunch of money. That's shakedown. That's sorted. Yeah. Yep. That's and good. take the car home and have it leave you on the side of the road. Well, and the the other part of that, and this is a lesson that I've learned as I've gotten older, is it's a lot easier and more practical to, with like furniture, you buy a little bit more expensive 
classically styled furniture that is going to last you a lifetime mm-hmm. rather than buying trendy crap every three to five years that is just trendy crap. Spending the money over and over and yeah, over again. Well, yep. Yep. A, a good reason to stay out of Ikea. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So paying the money up front for quality may have a bit of sting to it, yeah. but it's something that will last long term. And in long term, you're, you're creating a relationship. It's a relationship between yes. you, the customer, yeah. uh, yep. Empire, yep. and the vehicle. Absolutely. So if you're if you're not committed to a relationship with the vehicle, uh, it, it sounds like that you guys are really willing to say, "Look, walk away." Well, and that's exactly you it. Break up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and we've done that on multiple occasions. Yeah. Um, you talk about managing unrealistic customer expectations. Really, what it boils down to is, I mean, we are absolutely upfront and honest with every client. If this is outside of your budget, that's okay. Yeah. You know, if 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 you're faced with sticker shock. Well, this isn't for everyone. No, that's a reasonable response. And if that means that I'm going to make $0 from you, that's okay. Yeah. Because I would much rather we be pleased and you be pleased with the money you're spending for the quality of product well, that you receive. For, for most people, a car is an appliance. You right. buy something that, you know, if, if you want it to last forever... Go buy a Camry. A Cam- sure. uh, Camrys are like an, the automotive cockroach. You can't kill them. They last forever or whatever. Just go buy a Camry. And they're really comfortable. I won't kid you. And roomy. Yes. <laughs> but, and reliable. Yep. <laughs> but I'm a guy who drives 50, 60-year-old Corvettes, mm-hmm. and I think they are just delightful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, again, I don't drive a Camry. I won't own a Camry. Um, well, you know, and it's interesting the kind of responses we get from customers. Some of them, we talk through an, a, an initial estimate of whatever the repairs are going to be, and they say, oh, no, I mean, that's that's way more than I ever expected this would cost. This just isn't something that I can manage. I it's, always love it when we've got the sound of somebody racing in the back of us. Yeah, hot car go by, we're all like, yeah, it's kind of trippy. What was that? It's an added sound effect. You know, some people cut, cut bait and, and leave right away. Others um, are totally unaware of what the cost might be. I just spoke with a client about a week ago um, on a vintage Ford pickup truck, and and I gave him the numbers on what it would take to to do the work that he's requested. And he says, "Well, that's a lot more than I expected it would be." And I said, "Well, let me let me type this up and email it to you, and you can review it." And then we talked a few days later, and he said, "You know, I listened to what you had to say when we talked on the phone the other day, and." And I realized that my options are to sell this truck and buy a different one um, and be further ahead in the game and have less money to spend on the work. Sure. Or, and this is, this is for this particular client, his first vintage car. He said, or uh, I can spend the money and sort of enjoy the ride. And he said, the more I thought about that, the more I think that actually sounds like fun. So let's go for a ride together. And there's oh, an education nice. in that. I said, okay, let's do cool. it. Cool you know, the guy's a radiologist for a living. He's not oh. really a car guy. He doesn't have a whole lot of car experience. He isn't one of our clients who has the ability to do things at home on his own and then kick things to us that he lacks talent or experience or time to do. Um, but he's interested in going for the ride, and that's sort of what automotive restoration is about. Very cool. It absolutely yeah, is. Absolutely. All righty. Now you're in the crosshairs, brother. Okay. Uh, what is the 
dumbest thing you've ever done in a car. Oh, boy. He's from McPherson. I'm looking forward to this story. Yeah, this ought to be good. We've gotten good stories out of McPherson. I welded in a jet engine and then put it on a train track. Yeah, no, it's nothing like that. Um, It is a Central Kansas story. Um, I was in college at the time, young, dumb, you know. Where'd you go to school uh, at? <laughs> no place you've probably ever heard of. Yeah, it's a small town in the middle of nowhere. Way to go, Hammerhead. <laughs> no, it was actually before I had, had started school at McPherson. Um, I was going to school in St. Louis at the time, but I was, I don't know, sort of quasi-dating an ex-high school friend of mine. Uh, who was going to school at Sterling College in the middle of, of Kansas, Sterling, Kansas. Yep. So I had gone out to Sterling, Kansas to visit her for homecoming. Uh, I was leaving to head home that weekend, and I was way late. I was not going to make it home on time. Uh, so I'm headed north out of Sterling on this two-lane Kansas highway, and I'm running 85, 90 miles an hour. What are we driving? Uh, well... Well, that's not a very cool story. Camry? No. Camry. no. <laughs> Definitely a Camry. Not quite look, that look boring. Cockroach. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it was an, a 1983 Volvo 240 station wagon. Oh, well, nice. we're, we're, we're boxy, but we're good. That's Shaggy right. Wagon. That's right. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not go there. That's the other stupid thing I did. In the vehicle. Yeah. A lot. Yeah. Well, my <laughs> brown chicken, brown cow. Yeah. <laughs> my wife well knows that my my past is much more sordid than hers. Um, so I'm headed north, and I played the fifth. You know, to yeah, to achieve 85 or 90 miles an hour in a Volvo 240 wagon, it's it's hammer down. I mean, let's be honest, we're foot to the floor. Uh, so I'm in the left lane, passing traffic, uh, with really no care as to what's happening next. Well, here I am in the left lane, uh, in a no passing zone. I oh. crest the hill. Oh, and there is a semi truck oh oncoming in my lane. <laughs> out of, out of all things, it's gotta be that's going to be a less boxy. <laughs> yeah, well, it's going to be a sh- it's going to be a shorter box. Um, well, obviously, I can't no continue in my current lane, and I haven't finished passing the cars because, let's be honest, I'm still in a Volvo <laughs> two forty. I see a shoulder in your future. <laughs> yes, well, there was no shoulder, so oh, it was God. a farmer's field. So off to the left, I went uh, across the ditch through a barbed wire fence. And only by the grace of God, uh, the conditions of the dirt were what they needed to be. I, I did two or three 360s, uh, ended up near enough to the 90-degree the farm road that I was able to, <laughs> to bring it back onto some sort of surface. Oh, my. Uh, got out, checked wheels and tires by some miracle. Everything was fine, and I was still living. Uh, and, I, and I continued home. Um, but that's that's probably the the scariest or or dumbest uh, lacking prudence moment in an automobile oh, for me. I, oh, two things: Ooh. one, glad you made it out of yes. that okay. Yeah, it could and, have been a deadly experience. And, and two, that's so much better than the dumbest thing I've done. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, at least the farmer got something out of it too, because I bet that field was fertilized. Yeah. Well. <laughs> oh yes, uh, yes, it required a change of pants. That was for sure. There's a brown stain in the driver's seat. We can't seem to get rid. You think it's a Volvo? It's probably brown. It's only a Volvo. (laughs) Yep, that's right. We call it camel where I come from. Yeah, it was tan. 
<laughs> We've been speaking with David Henderson, uh, in notorious farm field plower <laughs> and co-owner of Empire Automotive KC. All the links for David and Empire Automotive can be found on www.readthedriven.com. David, thanks so much for being with us and, uh, you know, helping us lighten the load with the beer in the fridge. Awesome. Thanks Do for having me, guys. appreciate that very much. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it without the support of our listeners. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And everywhere fine podcasts are heard. I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt. Yes! And Mark Groves. Yep! Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Driven Radio.